Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, it's official, and the unthinkable has happened, at least according to the status quo earlier uh, in the presidential campaign season. But the Republican convention is over, and Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. He's no longer the presumptive nominee. He is the nominee, and any efforts to derail him failed. And, of course, you know everybody wrote Donald Trump off as a candidate. I never did. I always said that he was being underestimated because I believed that his message would resonate given how horrible uh, the economy actually was and what was really happening beneath the headlines. Everybody was proclaiming recovery and that we're on the right track. But I knew that that wasn't the case, and I knew there would be a lot of dissatisfaction among the electorate on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat. That's why you had the Bernie Sanders phenomenon as well as the Trump phenomenon. But even after Donald Trump locked up the Republican nomination, everybody was still writing him off, maybe up until the convention. But the idea was, well, he's going to lose in a landslide. And even other Republicans, well, this is it, you know, abandon ship. This is the Titanic. Let's distance ourselves from Trump. Uh, because we need to at least preserve the House and the Senate. We're going to write off the White House, and you know maybe uh, we can run against Hillary in, in four years. That was the general consensus. And again, I kept saying that the media and the political establishment on both sides were underestimating Donald Trump and the potential appeal of a Trump presidency. And I think that the speech that he gave— at the convention really proves that point. And I think it's going to convince a lot of the naysayers that this is real and that Trump could be the next president of the United States. You know, I thought his speech was brilliant. I think it was a great political speech. It was long, but it wasn't boring. And when I say brilliant or a great speech, I'm not talking about the substance of whether or not I agreed with everything he said, because I clearly didn't. I disagreed with a lot of things that he said, things that his daughter Ivanka said when she introduced him. I'm talking about the, the, the speech from a political uh, perspective. Is this going to be an effective speech to set the tone for his campaign? And in that respect, I think he hit the ball out of the park. I think the most uh, clever thing about his speech is he didn't go after the Republicans. He went after the Democrats. He went after their base, their core constituency. He came, he's bringing the fight to their turf. He went for the women. He went for the minorities, and not just blacks or African-Americans and Latinos, but the gays and, and the lesbians. And he went for the blue-collar workers. 
right? Donald Trump did not go after the entrepreneur. He didn't promise to help get government off your backs and free up the businessman from all this red tape and lower taxes. That's a typical Republican uh, nomination acceptance speech. No, he went out and said, I'm going to be the champion of the little guy, the downtrodden, the forgotten voter, right? I'm your hero. I'm your guy. The system is rigged. It's been rigged against you, and I'm the guy who can solve the problem. I've been part of the problem, and I'm the only one who can deliver the solution. And I think this is a very, very powerful strategy because the Democrats have been taking their constituency for granted. Basically, what Donald Trump is going to say to the minorities, African-Americans, why are you blindly supporting the Democratic nominee? What have they done for you? Nothing. He is going to be able to bring up the statistics, the shocking statistics that have been getting worse, but have certainly got even worse under seven years of Barack Obama, the horrible unemployment in the African-American community, the crime in the inner cities, the government dependency, the despair. Right? Why are African-Americans handing their vote to a Democrat? Because the Democrats have let them down and failed them. And what Donald Trump is going to say is, I won't do that. Trust me, because I will deliver on the broken promises of generations of Democrats. What about women? What about the gender gap? Instead of denying that there's a gender gap when it comes to pay, which, which there is, right, he just accepted it. Right. The, the Democrats always say, oh, you know, women are making 79 cents or whatever it is for every dollar. And the Republicans would basically say that's not true. And now they're basically saying, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, and Trump is going to you know, narrow the gender gap. So he's taken that issue, that big issue away from the from the Democrats. Meanwhile, the Democrats have been talking about the gender gap for a long time. And they haven't closed it because they can't close it because it's not about gender. In fact, Ivanka mentioned it herself. It's about motherhood. The reason that women earn less than men is because when they become mothers, when they make that decision, their children become their priority and their career takes a back seat. Now, is that true for 100% of the women? No. But in general, more women decide to prioritize their family. And what does that mean? That means they don't work as many hours as their male counterparts. Uh, they don't uh, travel as much for business. Maybe they work from home more often. And so they kind of get off the fast track and they make a decision uh, to balance family and career. And so they don't do as well in their career. And in most cases, men make the opposite choice. Again, not in every case. Uh, there are the Mr. Moms out there, but in most cases, the guy continues to prioritize his career and the family takes a backseat. He doesn't see his kids as much. He does travel for business. He does work longer hours. And he knows that his wife is at home uh, raising the kids and being the nurturing parent. And that's generally what happens. And that is the reason for the so-called gender gap. I mean, they've studied women who have never married and don't have any kids and compare those women to guys, you know, never married. Don't have, and the gender gap goes away. 
So when Ivanka mentioned that it's really about motherhood, she was right. But then she continued to talk about how her father is going to solve this, how he's going to fix it. It's unfixable. You can't do it. I mean, if somehow you decide that you want to force employers to pay women the same, even if they're not working as long hours or as many days a week or they're not willing to travel, then your employers are just not going to hire married women with children. I mean, it is a trade-off that the married women are willing to accept. They know they're going to get less money, but they're going to have more time with their family. And they also know that their husband is going to be able to do harder work and earn more money. Because remember, if you're a married woman with children, it's the household income that's important. It's not the income that the wife makes. It's the combined income of both the husband and the wife. Because the husband shares his higher income with the wife, right? So if you've got a couple that is married and one is going to earn more because he's emphasizing his career and the other is going to earn less because she's going to stay at home with the kids, but they're both going to have a job, but the husband is going to be full-time, you know, yeah, career first, and the wife is going to be, well, I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to stay home and take care of our kids. They're sharing the income, <laughs> And so even if you force some kind of equality where the men's pay went down and the woman's pay went up and somehow they equaled out, it's not going to change the family income. Now, obviously, someone could say, well, what about the single woman or, you know, that has kids and, and now she's working? Well, I'm not even sure what that gender gap is between uh, the single guy. Because there's not that many guys who are raising their own kids, who are stay-at-home dads, where the, the, um, the, the, the mother doesn't have custody. Now, certainly if the guy's a widow, uh, but then even then, I think there still might be more of a gender gap. I think it would be more narrow, but I think the guy would be more inclined to hire somebody or daycare or an au pair or a nanny, uh, whereas the woman in general may spend more time with her children herself. So there still might be somewhat of a gender gap there, but it is uh, a function of the choices that women make generally uh, regarding their children. And there's nothing that Trump can do about that. Now, can he try to make daycare more affordable? Well, how's he going to do that? You know, <laughs> um, But they did mention that. But the point is, they are embracing this issue. They are taking this issue away from the Democrats, and they are going to champion it. So they're going to talk about, yes, there is a gender gap. We acknowledge that. And Donald Trump is going to close it because the Democrats have been complaining and talking about the gender gap for years. Obama has been president for seven years. Has he done anything to close the gender gap? No. Has he done anything to help uh, minorities? Has he helped the Latinos? Has he helped the African-Americans? No. Their situation has gotten worse. What have the Democrats done for the blue-collar worker? Nothing. I mean, actually, not nothing. They've done worse than nothing. They've been harmed. Look at what's happening. How many people, seven, eight years ago, blue-collar workers actually had good jobs? They worked at some kind of factory. They had a good job, and they lost that job. And now they have two or three part-time jobs in the restaurant industry, and Hillary Clinton is going to ask for their votes. Why? On what basis should the blue-collar worker who is now employed in a low-paying job vote for Hillary Clinton. Just because he was fooled into voting for Barack Obama, obviously Obama did not deliver on his promise. And, you know, the other thing that Trump is really doing here is he's making the race about him. 
Now, in reality, right, what I want to hear from a candidate is not what he's going to do, because I recognize that one man can't do anything. The, the, the country doesn't succeed based on the actions of the president. The country succeeds based on the actions of the individuals that live and work in the country. It's the millions and millions of Americans collectively pursuing their own self-interest that causes the economy to succeed. The government doesn't invent anything. They don't do the hard work. They don't innovate. It's the free market that does all that. What happens is government gets in the way. So what I'm looking for in a candidate is somebody who promises to get out of the way, who says the government has been stifling economic growth, and I promise to remove those impediments. I am going to deregulate. I am going to cut government spending. I'm going to lower taxes so that government is no longer a big obstacle to prosperity. And I'm going to let the free market work. I'm going to let the people reclaim their own prosperity. I want a candidate who tells me, I'm going to leave you alone. And I'm going to leave uh, your friends alone. I'm going to leave your employer alone. I'm going to leave your employees alone. I'm just going to get out of the way. And I'm going to let the free market do what it does. I'm going to allow capitalism to produce the fruits that everybody can enjoy, right? That's what I want. But the average voter doesn't think in those terms. The average guy probably wants a hero, wants a savior. And that is what Donald Trump, that's how he is marketing. That's how he is branding himself. Because if you listen to that speech, it's all about him. He's going to succeed. He's going to do it. And that's the same thing that his children were saying. You know, uh, uh, Ivanka, my father is a hero. Trust my father. He won't let you down. He always succeeds. Whatever he sets out to do, he succeeds. And you know what? I'll grant him that he's succeeded in business. He hasn't succeeded in everything he's ever tried. Nobody does. But overall, he is a business success. He is an entrepreneurial success. And, you know, he's also a success as a father. And I think people will see that. I think that's one of the reasons that he showcased his children. And, you know, even though he's been married three times, I think he's probably been a better husband to his wives than Bill Clinton was to Hillary, hands down. I mean, their marriage is just a sham. It's all about politics. But he's probably been a good husband uh, to his wives. He's certainly been a good father to his children. He, he's raised five uh, great kids, uh, very attractive, well-spoken, uh, successful in business. You know, yeah, they haven't had a bunch of problems. A lot of times when you're wealthy and you have kids, your kids get all messed up. They get all into drugs because, you know, they, 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 get, they, they, um, they grow up in this environment, uh, and it's very seductive, and oftentimes, you know, the, the, the parents don't raise them right. But here you have children that Donald Trump is obviously extremely proud of, the children admire the hell out of their father, and I think every mother and father can relate. I think fathers can relate to the success that Trump's had with his children and what a good job he's done as a father right? and the pride that he takes in their accomplishments and the pride and the love that these kids genuinely have for their father. I think women, all women, want uh, a great father for their children, and I think this demonstrates that he is— the, that type of man. He has the character. And if Trump can make this race about character, about voting for the person, the leader, 
someone who you trust? I mean, he's going to make America great again. How? Well, he's just going to do it because he's that good, because he always accomplishes everything he sets out to do. Now, of course, individual accomplishments are very different than what he can accomplish as president. Yes, that's the beauty of capitalism. If you try and you persevere, you can succeed. But as president, it can't work that way. It only works to the extent that Trump succeeds in shrinking government, not growing government by the strength of his own personality. He can't, he can't lead the economy uh, to the promised land. All he can do is get government out of the way so that the people can get to the promised land on their own. But the average voter is not going to understand that perspective. They're just desperate for something different. They're desperate for actual change. They voted for Barack Obama because he promised change and delivered more of the same, only worse. And all the people that were hoping for something better got something worse. And now you have Hillary Clinton trying to convince the same electorate for four more years when they've already been sold out for eight. And the thing about Trump making it about him as a man, then it also makes it about Hillary as a woman. It makes it a battle of personality, even more than ideas. It's who do you trust? Who's going to be your champion? Who's going to be your savior? Donald Trump, the man, or Hillary Clinton, the woman? What has Hillary Clinton, the woman, ever accomplished? You know, well, she married well. She was married to a president. And because she was married to a president, she was able to become a senator. There's no way that Hillary Clinton could have won that Senate seat in New York had she not been the first lady for eight years. And did she do anything to become first lady? Well, the only thing she did was stand by her man as he cheated on her, right? He, she was a very good political wife in that she stood by Bill Clinton no matter what. She lied for him. She accused other women of lying who were likely telling the truth, right? Because she stood by her man. But that you know, is, is that an accomplishment? Is that something that she could be proud of? Hey, vote for me because I lied for my husband. I took one for the team. I'm a team player. I mean, no, that's not what you want. In fact, she ran for the presidency and she lost to Barack Obama. And the only reason she became secretary of state is because she lost to Barack Obama when she ran for president and she became secretary of state and she was a lousy secretary of state. And Bill Clinton is able to point that out. I mean, when she was a senator, what did she accomplish? Nothing. She used her Senate seat as a platform to run for president. That was the reason. You don't think that that was Hillary's plan all along? Hey, you know, because you got to get something on your resume. You just can't say I was first lady. So let's put you into New York where you're going to coast into a Senate seat. And what do you do as a senator? Nothing. She didn't do anything. Again, it was just a platform to run for president. And then she failed at that. And then she got the consolation prize because she got made secretary of state. And she was so incompetent that if it wasn't for her political connection, she would be in jail because of the email controversy and because of what she did uh, to jeopardize our national security. So why would anybody vote for Hillary Clinton over, over Donald Trump if it's going to be about the character of the person? And again, what about as a family? Their whole marriage is a sham. They have one child, Chelsea. They've been married together, right? For I don't know how many years, right? They don't, they, they don't, this, they've only had one marriage. They have one kid, one kid. I mean, Hillary didn't really have a job when she, you know, was in the White House. Why couldn't she have had more kids, right? I mean, as far as I know, 
maybe the reason they don't have any more children is the last time Bill and Hillary had sex with each other was when they conceived Chelsea. And maybe the only reason they conceived Chelsea was because they, it was a political prop. Hey, we're married. We need to have a child. So let's have the minimum number of children that we can have. And, and so they had one. But their marriage was a complete sham. I mean, Bill Clinton had sex with multiple women. He had numerous mistresses. I mean, the mistresses were jealous of one another. They weren't even, they didn't care about Hillary. They, they, they were just more concerned about the other mistresses. So, I mean, it was a phony marriage, and they have phony accomplishments. They're both corrupt. So the more that uh, Donald Trump can make it about him versus her as an individual, because Donald Trump is a success in the business world. He has many, many accomplishments that he's made, and he's a successful family man. Not every one of his marriages worked in that they ended in divorce, but between the time he got married and the time they got divorced, I'm sure his marriages were much better than the Clinton marriage that has endured for so long for political expediency, but which is a marriage in name only. And he is much more of a family man than is uh, Bill Clinton, or much more of a father than Hillary Clinton is of a mother. And this is going to resonate. This, you know, people are taking for granted how important this is going to be. When people want hope, when they need somebody uh, to lead them, right, from where they are to where they all want to be. And, you know, the media, when they reported on the speech, said, oh, you know, Donald Trump, this was all, you know, he, he was fear-mongering. He painted this really dark picture of America. And, you know, I don't think he necessarily painted the picture. He just reflected it. He took a photograph and showed it to people. And people understand. People don't want to keep hearing how great things are and that, yes, we can make it better, but that we're on the right track. But I do agree with the criticism that I don't believe that crime is as rampant as Trump is, is claiming, right? And of course, he's not running to be the, the police commandant, the police chief, right, of a, of a local, local community. Crime is a local issue. Now, to the extent that he wants to blame it on immigrants and says, well, if we just build a big wall, all the crime's going to go away. But, you know, I think proportionally, native-born Americans commit more crimes than, than the immigrants. But law and order obviously gets to the fears that Americans have. And that's what he wants to play into, even if he's exaggerating it from that perspective. And yes, there are, have been some high-profile terrorist incidents, both in the United States and around the world. But for the average American, as far as what's really uh, hurting their lives, terrorism is very, very far down the totem pole. But it really is a reflection of all the other problems. And I think to the extent that Trump can exploit that, it is going to work to his advantage. But, you know, where I'd even disagree, whereas he tried to say that, look, I'm going to paint a picture of the U.S. economy. I'm going to tell you the facts that, you know, aren't in your morning papers, aren't on the evening news, which is true. But there, I think he even sugarcoated it. I mean, I think the economy is actually in even worse shape than uh, what Trump talked about in his speech. And I think that a lot of these issues are going to come out even more on the campaign trail. And I think in particular, 
in the debates. And, you know, for anybody who thinks that Hillary Clinton is going to be able to beat Donald Trump in these debates, look, Donald Trump beat, you know, I don't know what, what nine or 10 other Republicans who were on the, the main the, the main debate. You know, there were so many Republican candidates. They had an undercard. Right. We started out with like 15 or 16 candidates. And, you know, despite the crowded field, Donald Trump still managed to get more votes in a Republican primary than any Republican candidate in history. But. The fact that he was able to beat up so many people in those debates that were probably much more qualified or better debaters than will be Hillary Clinton. I mean, Hillary Clinton's only experience with debates, she debated Bernie Sanders. I mean, how hard is that? I mean, I forget the other guy that was in there for a while. I mean, nobody even knew who he was while he was in the debates. Uh, And then, you know, before that, she did debate with Barack Obama uh, when she ran eight years ago. But I think she's pretty rusty. Donald Trump just had a whole bunch of debates. And and so I think he's going to do very well when he gets one to one with Hillary Clinton. She's got so much garbage, so much baggage that he can can hit her with. But I think when he comes back with more of these economic statistics, he's going to be able to hang the failure of the Obama administration around her neck like an albatross. I mean, not only is she going to have to deal with her own baggage of being an unindicted criminal. I mean, if she wasn't Hillary Clinton, she would have already been indicted. Maybe she'd already be in jail. And again, it also plays into his his theme of corruption and a double standard. And that's you know that's what the the uh, the Democrats are trying to sell to their base, right? To the minorities and to the poor, the working poor and the unemployed. That the system is rigged and it's rigged against you. But what Donald Trump could say is, yes, it's rigged by the Clintons. They're the ones that are benefiting. They're the ones that benefit from the double standard. You know, look at the incarceration rate in African-American communities. Look at how many young uh, blacks are in jail. And Trump could say, yes, look at all of young African-Americans in jail for petty drug offenses. Yet Hillary Clinton does something much worse. And because she's connected or maybe because she's white or whatever the inference is going to be, nothing happens to her. She basically is the poster girl for the double standard, for white privilege, for the privilege of power. And Donald Trump can make this case, and I think he'll be able to make some significant inroads into the base of the Democratic Party. Is he going to win the African-American vote? Probably not. But he can take enough of it to win in these key states. Because in general, right, most people are just going to vote routine. They're just, it's like, it's like a, uh, you know, uh, a, a conditioned response to vote for a Democrat, especially if the last name is Clinton. So it's going to be hard for Donald Trump to actually win the uh, Latin American or particularly African-American vote. He could win the women's vote. There's this big gender gap. And I don't know, maybe maybe he won't win it, but maybe he'll close it enough because we know there's the, the real gender gap is going to be with men right? because that's where Hillary Clinton and, of course, you know, no one really talks about that. Somehow, if, you know, you don't resonate with women, it's, you know, you've got a women's problem and maybe it's because you're not sensitive to women's issues or you're a sexist. But no one ever talks about the huge gender gap when it comes to men for Hillary Clinton. I mean, is she not sensitive to men's issues? Right. Why doesn't Hillary Clinton uh, resonate with men? I mean, they might say, well, it's because of all these sexist men who don't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. But of course, the irony of it is Hillary Clinton's entire campaign boils down to sexism. What is she saying to every woman she talks to? 
Let's make history. Vote for me because I'm a woman, right? Let's have the first woman president. I mean, why? I mean, can you imagine if, if, uh, if, if, if um, Donald Trump said, vote for me because I'm a man? You know, <laughs> you know we, this, is, this is a man's job. You don't want to have a woman as president, so vote for me because I'm a guy and, 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 and we're better leaders and we get things done. I mean, they would, they would crucify him. But it's totally fine for Hillary Clinton to come out there and say, vote for me because I'm a woman. And then she'll even say things like, you know, we need a woman's touch. You know, we need a woman's compassion. You know, the problem is we've had so many men running the country. We need, you know, we need to get a woman in there to clean up this mess, right? You know, that's perfectly fine. You can always talk about why we need to have a woman and all the things that femininity is going to bring to the office that have been missing when, you know, it was all these, uh, these uh, you know, the men, Right. And especially when it comes to national defense. Right. That's where they they really can play the woman's card by talking about how, you know, uh, when it comes to men. Right. They're all out there measuring the size of their manhood. They're all trying to prove who has the biggest one. And in fact, she can obviously make that claim with uh, Donald Trump. That's why he builds these big, huge uh, buildings. Right. Why does he want to build these skyscrapers? What you know, what's that all about? Right. And that is the woman card that they like to play because, you know, oh, women, we're pacifists. And, you know, we'll talk it out. We're not going to we're not going to just go to war. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that you're able to say as a woman and try to convince people to vote for you. But basically, that's really it. Why else would anybody vote for Hillary Clinton? What has she done? Nothing. She's been, you know, a, a, a lousy um, secretary of state a do-nothing senator who coasted into her seat. And yeah, she stood by her man for eight years in the White House and allowed him to have sex with anything that walked and was willing to lie about it to cover it up. And so that qualifies her for being the president of the United States? No. What supposedly qualifies her is that she's a woman. And are we supposedly so desperate to have a woman as president that we're going to settle for any woman, even, even one that should have been indicted, right? A criminal is that how low the bar is we stooped that, you know, it's any woman? You know, if we want a woman president, let's wait, wait for the right woman. Let's have a competent woman as president, right? Not just a woman who happens to be able to check that gender box. And we should overlook all of her flaws and vote for her simply because she's a woman. Let's just wait till we have somebody who's the most qualified for the job. And if she happens to be a woman, then great. But if the woman who's running for the job is completely incompetent, if she's a criminal, if, she, if she's Hillary Clinton, then she doesn't get coronated just because, uh, you know, she has ovaries and she's got the, the X chromosome. Now, again, just because I think that Trump basically delivered a magnificent performance at the convention, and I think it's a brilliant strategy— that he is uh, that he is taking, and I think it's one that could easily land him in the White House. We'll see how the polls go. You know, the Democratic convention is you know about to begin, and so they're kind of back to back. I think normally there's more of a gap between between the two conventions, but this time they're they're they pretty much close that gap. Um, they weren't able to close that so-called gender gap, but they closed the convention gap. So I think we'll have a pretty good idea after both these conventions are over. Uh, you know, what kind of uh, impact they made on the electorate. But I think that the mood in the country is such that this is the year for, for Donald Trump. 
And it's not that I'm saying, hey, Trump's going to be this great president. I agree with what he's saying. He is tapping into a vein that has been vulnerable, and it's just been looking for the right guy that could resonate with the people. Because Trump is not promising to do anything that is going to upset anybody, right? He's not talking about cutting Social Security. He's not talking about cutting defense. Uh, I mean, he talks a little bit about cutting waste, fraud, and abuse. But, you know, no, everybody is in favor of that until you actually identify the waste, fraud, and abuse. Because, of course, one man's waste, fraud, and abuse is somebody else's meal ticket, right? But it's easy to talk about cutting waste, fraud, and abuse because nobody is opposed to that. In fact, he did mention that. But what he mentioned is the fact that everybody talks about it, but I'm going to be the one that does it. Now, of course, he probably won't be the one that does it, but... The electorate doesn't know that. You see, why could Donald Trump do what every politician before him has failed? Because every politician before him was a politician, and he is not. That is his Trump card, right? I'm a businessman. I've succeeded. Look, the monuments of my success are everywhere. Politicians have failed because they're just politicians. So I will do the job. Trust me. I'm the guy that can do it. Now, of course, nobody can do the job. I don't care the most brilliant man. You put him in charge of government, and government won't work. See, socialism doesn't work no matter who is calling the shots. right? If you try to have somebody micromanage the economy, if you want to have central government planning, you can have the most brilliant planner. You can have Einstein in charge of the central planning, and it won't work. The only thing that works is the free market. But it's very difficult to get elected based on asking people to have faith in a principle, in something as abstract as freedom and liberty. It's much easier to get people to support you by having faith in a human being. And of course, you know, this has led to huge problems because there's been some real charismatic leaders in world history that have gone into power based on their ability to convince the electorate to put their faith in them that they are the saviors, that they have the answers, that they can do it. And then, of course, it backfires and they become tyrannical despots, uh, and it, it's a disaster. And I don't think that uh, this is going to be the case with Donald Trump. I mean, he may not deliver what he's promising, but I, I don't think you know, we're looking at you know, uh, you know, an Adolf Hitler or anything even close to that. But it's the principle where people can be led to believe in a person if the person— has the right charisma, and he comes about at the right time. And we haven't just lost a war, and we haven't been decimated, but in a way we have in that the economy has been decimated by generations of bad policy, bad economic policy, bad monetary policy, bad regulatory policy. The middle class has been eviscerated. The American standard of living is falling. Donald Trump mentioned that, you know, the average family income is down $4,000 or something since 2000 or whatever the date was. And all these statistics aren't as important as the fact that people know it. The average voter realizes that his lot in life is worse. He looks at his children and doesn't understand how they're going to make it. Look at all the children that have already moved back in with their parents, all the grown children in their 20s and 30s living with their parents. Look at all the grandparents that have to live with their kids. People are, are getting more desperate. Their, their debts are piling up. Their student loans, their auto loans, their credit card debt 
For some people, at least they don't have any mortgage debt anymore because they don't have a house. So they've lost that part of the American dream. And all they have to do is deal with rent that goes up every year and, and other costs that keep going up every year. And meanwhile, the only thing they hear from the Federal Reserve is that we don't have enough inflation and we have to get more. So Donald Trump feels their pain, right? That was what helped Bill Clinton get into the White House. I feel your pain, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Now they're denying the pain and they're making it worse. And Donald Trump is able to say, I'm different. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing it for the country. And when Donald Trump says that, it's believable. He doesn't need to be president. I mean, yes, there is some power uh, that comes with the White House. But Donald Trump has a lot of power just being Donald Trump. I mean, he already has all of the comforts that money can buy, right? The private helicopter, the private jets, the mansions, the yachts. He's got all that. The beautiful ex-model wife, great children, lots of respect. He's got fame. He's got fortune. Does he need to be the president? No. Obviously, this is probably the first person in our lifetime where that's the case, where he can really say, look, I've succeeded and now I want to help out. I want to put aside my own personal life, which is already great, and I want to be the champion of the little guy, the downtrodden, the forgotten man, the guy who has been stabbed in the back over and over again by the Democratic Party, all these constituencies that they, that they take advantage of, right? that they built their, their castle on, on the bodies of. Get, you know, he is appealing to those people. Now, is Donald Trump in the process? Is he going to lose the Republicans because he's reaching out to the Democrats? I don't think so. What are the Republicans going to do? Vote for Hillary? No, I think Donald Trump realizes that the Republicans don't really have any place to go. So he's got them, right? So they're just going to swallow, right? They don't care that he's not hitting up on a lot of their themes. The key is he's going to be effective. And he may have some good coattails. He may help elect a lot of other Republicans down ticket. There may be some nice coattails with a uh, Trump, Trump at the top of the ticket. See, initially, a lot of the Republicans were worried. They wanted to distance themselves from Donald Trump. And I think now, as they see that he becomes more and more popular, more and more Republicans are going to want to jump on that bandwagon. Now, is it possible that some of the Republicans— when they hear some of this stuff and it rubs them the wrong way because it's more about big government, just Trump style, as opposed to Obama or Clinton style. Uh, might they go for Gary Johnson? Yeah, they might. But I don't think enough Republicans will jump ship and vote for Gary Johnson that it's going to be a problem for Trump. I mean, if anything, I think Gary Johnson is equally likely to, to take voters away from Hillary because there's going to be plenty of Democrats that don't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. And if they're not persuaded by Trump, then some of them might vote for a Gary Johnson. They might even vote for a Jill Stein. So I don't think the third parties, again, are, are going are gonna to amount to much. But what was also interesting is that Donald Trump specifically went after the Sanders voters, right? Because he talked about how Sanders got shafted, how the Democratic uh, 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 Convention or the Democratic Party, how it was all rigged against him. And he's right. Right? It was rigged. Not that you know he is saying that I support Sanders, but he's saying that he got shafted in a corrupt system that Hillary Clinton is a part of. And we know she's part of that corrupt system because she just got away with a crime. 
right? And so Donald Trump is saying, I am the answer. I've worked in this corrupt system. I've been on the other side, right? I'm one of the guys, one of the rich guys who has been paying all this uh, money, bribing politicians for years. I know how the game is played because I played it from the other side. And therefore, I'm uniquely qualified to go to Washington and clean up the mess because I know exactly how it works, right? Because none of the other candidates were on the other side of the aisle. They were always asking for money. They weren't giving the money. They were always taking the bribes. They were never the ones that were paying the money. Donald Trump comes to it from, from that perspective. But he is directly appealing to the Sanders voters. He is going after the Sanders issue. He is going after them on the idea of we have a big trade deficit. We got to bring back our jobs. And we do. We do have a big trade deficit. It is a huge problem. But the only way to bring back the jobs is to get rid of the government, get rid of the taxes and the regulations. See, Donald Trump said, I am not going to let these corporations move their jobs offshore. That is going to stop. Now, how is he going to do that? You can't physically stop it. Now, maybe, maybe the way he's going to stop it is by cutting taxes and cutting regulations so that they won't want to leave. And hopefully that's what he wants to do. But you see, he doesn't want to say that because that would fall into the Republicans for the big business. So he just says, I'm going to make sure that companies don't leave the country and take their jobs. I'm going to put a stop to it. Now, the average voter might just assume, well, he's just going to make it illegal. Right? He's not going to let it happen. But maybe what Donald Trump actually means is I'm going to take away the incentive for companies to leave. See, the reason that companies are moving jobs offshore is not because they want to, but because the government gives them no choice and they have to to stay competitive. And so if what Donald Trump really means is he's going to fix that problem, he's going to stop chasing companies out of the country. He's going to stop incentivizing them from moving offshore then that will work. But what he's doing is instead of articulating that, and there are a lot of people that criticized Donald Trump's speech because he, was, he didn't have a lot of specifics. That's the brilliant part of his speech because the minute you have specifics, you start turning people off. You start giving your opponents something to use against you. The fewer specifics you have, the better. And when it comes to Donald Trump, the more he can make this about personalities, about individuals, about who do you trust to solve these problems, me, meaning Donald Trump, or an unindicted criminal uh, by the name of Hillary Clinton, if those are the choices, then the choice is clear, and Donald Trump can surprise everybody and be the next president of the United States. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.